Welcome to Orbital Times Podcast, and hello to everyone, whatever part of the globe you're from or happen to reside in. My name is Kelly Joe, and here we'll provide armchair conversations gathered from interviews and research reviews to explore the seen, the unseen, and the in-between of the supernatural paranormal phenomena, with topics that circle around spirit orbs, NDEs, OBEs, UFOs, time slips, mystical moments, higher consciousness, and more. I hope that this cast will be our meeting place and judge-free zone where we can explore, learn, and grow through the telling of. This cast will be launched on a monthly basis or a bi-weekly schedule whenever I'm able to make contact with those in the know for their telling of. Speaking of those in the know and the telling of, have you had mystical moments or other supernatural paranormal experiences? Care to share on this cast? Then consider stepping into the light with your telling of or send in your monologue for me to read on this podcast. Simply email orbicaltimespodcast at gmail.com for a chance to contribute to this cast. I think some of these experiences are so personal. Yeah. I don't know if you can can sort of protect yourself against them, especially with UAPs and UFOs mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. There, there's no control over those anyway. There's no control over the paranormal. They're, these things happen when they want them to happen rather than when we want them to happen. I'm joined by hosts of Pursuit of the Paranormal, Ash and Greg, all the way from the UK. This episode circles around how they initially made contact with each other, strategies which allow them to balance between their passion projects and other daily commitments. We explore Greg's special interest in and experiences with the paranormal, and Ash's sighting of a UFO, which may have been the foundation for his continued interest in and creation of an UFO organization. It was such a pleasure to speak with these individuals, and I thank them for carving out some time in their very busy schedules to contribute to this cast. Thank you, Greg and Ash, for allowing me the opportunity to chat it up with you. And so, without further ado, here is that interview. So, a warm welcome to Greg and Ash, host of Pursuit of the Paranormal podcast, and I quote, which explores lesser-known stories of the unknown world and interviewing figures of all sections of the paranormal world. So you're joining us all the way from the UK and England, and I guess to be exact, you're in Oxford and one of you is in Manchester. Is that correct? Yes, correct. I got that. Okay. Now, Ash, you're in Oxford? I'm in Manchester. You're in Manchester. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Sorry about that. You had a 50-50 shot. I did. I did. I, I, you know, I rolled the dice. I lost. (laughs) So, so welcome to both of you. And and thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule uh, to join us here on the cast. So I guess what I'm going to ask you is that my understanding is that you both met while you were pursuing a common interest. Correct. And speaking of rolling the dice, um, you met online. Is that correct? Uh, yes. So <clears throat> me and Ash were both, um, we were both admins of a poker group on okay. Facebook. And uh, Ash had actually um, been putting some stuff up about his UFO identified website. Right. And basically we, we 
connected through that and I said, oh, I'm, I'm into the paranormal. And then I sent him a message shortly afterwards, after we sort of became friends on Facebook and said, uh, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. Do you want to do one? And two weeks later, we, we had our first episode up. Greg, you initiated that sort of first ask, I guess. Why a podcast? I listen, I've been listening to podcasts for a long time. So I've been listening to people like Joe Rogan. Um, then I would just search for Poltergeist podcasts, Ouija board podcasts. No, Ouija board. Podcasts. Yeah, and just, just listening to stuff. And I really like it. And I've got history of like doing paranormal and then I saw Ash was into the UFOs and it kind of mm-hmm. is another passion of mine and we we kind of connected we were chatting online for a bit and then it was like let's should we just do it and oh. here we are and here and here you are indeed now would you say that there are skills in poker that are transferable into making a podcast Sort of. I'd say I say having patience is probably <laughs> that was the one I was thinking. This this next question is for you, Greg. Um, you had mentioned, and, and I was aware of also that you had uh, an interest in the paranormal. Okay, so I've been into the paranormal as part of paranormal groups for the sort of the last five or six years, maybe seven years. But before that, I um, when I was little, there used to be a TV program called. Um, Arthur C. Clarke's World of Strange Mysteries or Strange Strange Mysteries with Arthur C. Clarke and he used to put these programs on in the 80s where it was almost like documentaries about the paranormal and they, each week it would be say about stigma, say about poltergeists that kind of thing and yeah sort of that, that got me hooked then and had a bit of UFO stuff that I'd get into the UFOs with X-Files and whatnot. And then that sort of dipped off a, a little bit, although I was still interested. And now I was back with the paranormal because I found it absolutely fascinating. Um, and then joined some paranormal groups. Um, so, yeah, that, that's really it was back in the 80s, showing my age now. And, um, yeah, it was, it was all that kind of time where there was only – there was no internet. It was just TV and had to rely on books and TV to, to get my fix. Uh, are you currently in a, a, a group? Would you call that yes. a ghost hunting group? No, they wouldn't like me to call it a ghost hunting oh, group. Sorry. I don't think. <laughs> I think what is it called? Uh, so, uh, it's Windrush Valley Paranormal. So we, um, we just go and investigate places rather than sort of hunting for ghosts. We just go there and to particular locations we're quite fortunate around the oxford area where i live that there are quite a lot of um old buildings and history so we just go there and just try and find evidence of paranormal so whatever that may be do do you perform any rituals um prior to or after going on one of these outings no, I think some people say you should, that you should do like a, almost like a prayer type thing to keep you safe, but no. Okay, and you never had any what they would fight as residual energy follow you around? No, not that I'm aware of. Not what, what's one of the um, encounters that stands out? On a paranormal sort of investigation? It, yeah. I've been at a place called the Ancient Ram Inn, which is one of the 
is classed as one of the most haunted um, sites in the UK. And it's a, a, like 1100 year old site. We're doing a Ouija board. Like there was a big noise and the, the Ouija board was hit from underneath and flew up into the air. Really? So that was quite weird. Yeah. I've been there a second time and I was literally petrified the whole time I was there. I didn't like it at all. And I, I don't get scared easily, but that really scared me. Um, um, did you do a Ouija board the second time? No, I didn't. No, but I would have done. I've had no problem doing them. I don't find them scary at all. Okay. So, so speaking of, of uh, paranormal and, and UFO stuff earlier, uh, do you guys consider like UFOs or UAPs to fall under the umbrella of the paranormal? Or do you consider UFOs to be normal? Ash? Uh, yeah, so I, my interest is mainly UFOs going back uh, about 20 years. Uh, 1997? Yes, so yes. I was ten years old in 1997, yeah. and I—that's when I first saw a classic triangle, black triangle UFO, just yeah. moving across. This number of adults and kids, we all saw it. None of the adults were like knew what it was, but just like as amazed as we were, and that just started me off on a what, like what, what did I see? And a journey to find out what it was ever since then. Yeah. yeah, yes. So it was when the, I think it's the Hale-Bopp comet was visible in the UK. Okay. And, it, and the comet was visible for around three months. So it was, like, it was quite a big event. And when it was a clear night, we'd just go out in the street with our friends, with the family, just to have a look at the comet. It's one of these nights, it's just a really clear night. Three or four kids and four or five adults just in the street, just all gathered watching, well, just looking at the comet. Comet don't don't do much when they when they're there, but it's just cool to watch. And then all of a sudden, it's a it was a clear sky. Someone pointed out, what, "What's that?" We all looked up, and it was a classic like a light on each corner, a triangle shape, just moving across the sky. And the size of it, I'd say, at arm's length, about the size of a fifty p coin, maybe a, a quarter in not even Canada, but like a quarter size coin. And it, it was just moving and you could see the sky like get darker behind it so it wasn't like three different lights it was you could tell it's like one object with the yeah. sky like made the shape as it was moving just a straight line right across the sky it took about 45 seconds to traverse the whole of the sky so it's moving quite quick and we all saw it and it just disappeared into the distance they were all like what was that the adults were like no idea it wasn't a plane it wasn't a helicopter it's just it was really really weird yeah, it was an adult that pointed it out. It was, huh? Did you talk to other adults or other kids or after that event happened? Uh, I think I, I, I went back home, told me mum and dad that I just saw something. They were like, like most parents, like, oh, cool. And then get back to watching TV or whatever they were doing. But then that, then they sort of just mentioned it. We talked about it with my friends a couple <clears> of times, like the days after, but they sort of lost interest in it. They're just like, oh, let's go watch cartoons. Just being kids, as I was like, I, I I went to go to the school library, get books on UFOs out, because I was like, wanting to know what it was. So obviously, I never sort of come across UFOs or anything like that before. And I actually submitted a UFO report about a year later, because I carried on like trying to find information, sort of got the interest in the whole UFO thing, started trying to watch like films on TV when they came on and get uh, VHS tapes out, that, or documentaries and stuff. That's just became a passion from, from then, really. 
So that's that's interesting because I was going to ask you tongue in cheek. So did you did you make a report to move on? But you made a report a year after the incident. Yeah, because I think in when getting these books out, there's an organisation called Pufora in the UK, which is the British UFO Research Association. Okay. They, they were mentioned in one of these old old books, and it's like you can write to them, make a report. So he actually wrote a letter at 11 years old, drew a sketch of what I saw. Isn't um, that interesting? Hey, do you think they would still have that on file? But the thing is, I'm actually, uh, for the past three years, I've been on their investigation committee of the UFO oh, okay. committee. And I, said, I think I said to Greg a while ago, I need to get, I, see if I can get access to the to the records and see if it is there, like... Yeah. I was like 20 odd years ago, but it might still be. And that'd be amazing to find. Like a time capsule. Yeah, I need to chase that up definitely. Because I said, I need to try and find if they still have that that file, that report. It'd be amazing. Did they respond to you? Yes. Uh, I vaguely remember a letter back just saying, thanks for your report. And that was it, really. but yeah, I definitely yeah, did, did get a, a letter back. I think because they're probably so young, they might have been a bit, oh, this is quite cute. There's a kid that's writing <laughs> to us. So yeah, I, I, do, I do remember getting a reply. I can't remember really what it said now. It was, uh... Do you recall if the adults in your life, did they support you sending that letter? Or was it just something, you know, you were reading the books, you found the information, you just sent off the information and that was that? Yeah, I think me, me dad's more so than my mum is sort of, well, in Z, he likes the old Graham Hancock books and that type of like ancient alien type stuff. So he was sort of interested in that side of it. So he would like, it. so he'd say, "Oh, read this book and stuff like that." So he, he was supportive a little bit on on that side of it, and I think he did probably help me actually send it and get the stamp or whatever to actually. Send. Yeah, I was going to say, did you really go and get your own stamp? <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, uh, UFO identified. Oh, identified. Alien. Yeah, but, uh, 2020, I started UFO. 2020. Uh, I had interest going into my teens, and then I think being a, a teenager and then a young adult, sort okay. of life, sort of working, takes over. And probably the past five years or so, I sort of got the passion back, started doing it more seriously, became involved with before as a, that did me investigators training, which took about 18 months, came a part of that. And then when COVID happened in 2020, mm-hmm. I was. I was furloughed from a day job. So I had okay. all this spare time all of a sudden. So I thought, right, I'm going to, I've been doing it sort of on my own, doing my own research, doing my own sort of documenting stuff and investigations. I'm going to do, I'm, so I'm going to do something to put it out there so that other people can read my articles, read my investigations. And yes, that's why I started UFO Identified in 2020. Some of the content is pretty interesting. I think especially the, citing database and yep. uh buddy that's listening or everybody um you have a, a a mini conference coming up is that correct in october the first yes so a couple yeah. of years ago um probably about six months after starting the website i sort of wanted to sort of get sort of sort my own community group so to meet other people in my local area so i tried to find like groups that already existed but I couldn't really find anything that was active or current. So I thought, F it, I'm just going to make my own group local to my area. Yeah. That was, that was about six months after I started. So getting close to two years ago now. And then that's just grew to a membership now with over 
500 members of our group that's just local to like my region of the UK. Yeah. And we do we do sky watches, we do meetings where we have a little speaker, we do just get togethers in the pub where we can just have a chat and a drink and talk about UFOs. And then last year we just got to do like a because we have because you mentioned the database, which is the biggest database of current day UK UFO sightings. Mm-hmm. Ours, is, ours is the biggest. It only goes back to twenty twenty, so we don't do historic stuff. Ours is more like what's happening today. And it's the biggest database of what's being seen and what's being reported today. Wow. Uh, that's probably got over a thousand sightings on there since 2020. So there's more overcast than not where you are. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily then, to me, there couldn't be as many UFO sightings, let's say, as you know, certain parts of the of the USA. It's just that maybe, you know, because of so much cloud cover that opportunity maybe doesn't present itself as much. Is, is that a fair assumption? Yeah, definitely. I mean, because obviously like, we look at the like people report the weather conditions at the time, and more often than not, it's always clear sky or not much clouds. So it is when they are being seen, it is when it's a clearer day. So you probably are right that there probably will be more if there wasn't such a rainy little country that that we are because rarely you see a UFO report and the weather conditions are described as raining. That's... Do you get more reports in the spring, summer than you do in the fall, winter? No, it's it's really? tends to be pretty pretty spread out. So like, I'm looking at the figures now for the first six months of this year, and January had the most, and then April was second, and then June was third. So yeah, pretty. It's, it tends to be similar numbers each month. Okay, let me back up. When people are uh, accessing your website, can they then report a sighting at your website? Yeah, we have a uh, our own site report form, which is quite detailed, but you can put in as little information or as much as you want. It just gives that option to try and get okay. as much information. Because if it's local, because we get reports from all over the UK, but if it's local to us in the northwest, we'll we'll go out, we'll go to the location, we'll do investigation. Yeah, we'll get out there, we'll speak to the witness, and we'll do a full investigation if it's local to us. Do you solicit people to have, let's say, volunteers with your organisation in other parts of uh, in the in the UK? So at the minute, we're just based in the northwest. There's we're a team of four. So sort of grew to there's three of us now. There's four. Uh, Steve joined us earlier this year, and we all have our own strengths and weaknesses. And we're all based in the Northwest. Long term, I do want to spread around the UK because we re- actually rebranded the website and our community group last year because they used to just call it the Northwest UFO Research Group. Mm-hmm. Now it's UFO Identified Northwest Division. Okay. And, that, and that's on purpose because in the future I want to have a northeast division, a southeast division, a Wales oh, division. You have an expansion on the horizon. So it'd be in the future, <laughs> but long term that is that's that's our plan. And that's the reason why we rebranded last year to in the future we're looking to again like link up with other groups. People can obviously come on board, we can offer the training, we can help them develop their own UFO identified group in their region. And they can then handle reports from from there, and we can build that way. All right. Well, do you do you go out yourself to do any of these investigations? 
Yes. Okay. Is yes. there any one investigation that um, that, that sort of stand is stand out for you? Uh, there's one. We've had a couple this year. Obviously, with COVID, we've not been able to get out as much as we wanted to the last couple of years. But this year, right. we've been sort of getting out there as much as possible. And there's one a couple of months ago where uh, probably about half an hour from where I live, they saw a sphere-shaped object quite high up, stationary, and then started moving upwards, then moving sideways, stationary again, and then just moved upwards and just disappeared out of sight. And so we went out to the location, interviewed the witness, went to the place where she was stood, took photos, did the full investigation. That's the probably the one investigation this year where we've not been able to identify Hmm. what it was because a lot of the cases we can sometimes straight away we can be like yeah that's this that's the ISS or that's a balloon and we can do a little bit of research then we can to, just to prove that's why we think that is but very rarely we do get a case where we do the investigation and we con our, our conclusion is we don't know if we've ruled out right. everything else that we can and remains unidentified which is in that case is as it stands unidentified Creating and producing a podcast, you know, for one person it can be time consuming, um, especially if you're somebody who has other commitments, like if you have a family, uh, a job and your other interests, just other commitments. Do you guys have a um, time management strategies <laughs> in regards to your cast or is it just, to, you know, how does it work for, for you guys? Do you, do, you, do you draw? Do you draw straws? No, we we we're quite fortunate. We we worked really well from from the start, and we we've been learning. It is quite a steep learning curve from the start of our first episode right up to where we are now, and we kind of just do bits of everything each. So yeah. we're we're always messaging on on um, like social media and. We, when we're doing the podcast recording, we'll we'll have a catch up beforehand or afterwards, or when we're recording other aspects, we'll for other social media stuff, we'll we'll just talk about what we're going to do, and we sort of like have catch ups all the time. So we, I was actually saying to Ash the other day that considering we've only met each other once in real life, right? Um, we we speak to each other for hours and hours a week because we we're talking about who we're going to get on as a guest we're we'll both separately try and secure guests from all over and ash's like the ufo side i'll try and get some paranormal stuff then ash will get paranormal people and and we sort of it all just works and we both work full time uh, i've got family uh, and pets and all those kind of things ash right. works ash works a later shift so we end up recording our podcasts at sort of like 10.30 onwards in the UK time um, because of when Ash's uh, shift ends. So it actually works quite well because it's late in the evening. Both of us have sort of done our commitments for the day. Um, we interview a lot of people from the US mm -hmm. um, and Canada, like yourself. So the time difference works better for us recording later because it's a, a lot more friendly for for everybody over the pond yeah. but no we we kind of we have we have 
got a, a plan as such. It's quite loose at times and it changes a little bit, but generally we've got we've got a plan of what we want to do and we, we sort of just work really well together. We're just always messaging each other throughout yeah. the day or whatever just to say, oh, are we all right for tonight or what are we going to do this weekend? Have we got this interviews lined up? Are you are you okay for this? And we just sort of we just touch base all the time and it it just seems to work really well. I was say I think because there's two of us that helps a lot as well. Because yeah. we, we've been putting out two episodes a week at least for nearly a year now. Um, before that, it was at least one episode a week. And if, say, I'm busy I, or I've got some commitments so I'm away, mm-hmm. I, I know that Greg could pick up the slack. Yeah. And likewise, if Greg's particularly busy or can't do stuff that week, I'll do the extra. So that we always have so do and we always motivate each other. And like, I don't want to let Greg down with stuff. He doesn't want to let me down. So we make that helps us motivate to do. If like we are feeling a bit, oh, I can't be bothered today. Yeah, we still do it. We still have that to not let each other down. Whereas if I was doing a podcast on my own, I'd probably think oh, I can't be bothered doing it this week. And then another week, and then another week goes past. Next minute, it's been two months and there's been no episode. And I think because there's two of us, we bounce off each other and we also yeah. motivate each other. So that's why I think we've been had the success we've had. Really. Yeah, right. So you got each other's backs, and you don't want yeah. to let each other down. Yeah. Because we sort of same sort of thinking as well, we kind of we're on the sort of same wavelength as it were. We kind of, like Ash said, we sort of support each other uh, and pick up the slack when somebody else is busy or the other one's busy, and we we kind of know what we want to do. We kind of we've got a bit of a routine going now, so we know what we need to do. If Ash is going to edit the podcast one week, I'll say all right, I'll do next week or can you do this one if I send you the files, those kind of things. So I think with both of us, I think if it would have been just me, I'd have sacked it off a long time ago. This is too difficult because it is time consuming, trying to find guests all the time and stuff to talk about and updating social media and updating websites and that's crazy. Yeah, maybe you can explain or expand on about your podcast of course you have guests on do you have a list of questions do you do some research about who you're bringing on or do you pretty much go and by the seat of your pants and you're just like let's just have them on and see what happens a bit of all of that yeah okay so we sometimes like ash will say oh we're gonna are you free on wednesday we're gonna speak to such and such Mm -hmm. i go yep um ash might give me a little synopsis of who they are like um an author or or something like that connected to ufos or paranormal um mm-hmm. and sometimes that's as much information as we've got each sure. other's got on the, the guests we're getting on um and whilst we probably have a couple of opening questions like we ask a lot of the time like ash will ask how did you get into whatever you're into sure um and then we just we just like to flow from there see what happens we talk about the stuff that the the guest wants to talk about and their sort of subject field and then we'll just try and ask questions based on the fact that we don't really know what they're gonna say Mm -hmm. um so we and it seems to work well we get about an hour's worth of talking and questions and we'll We'll make notes between us and we'll sort of refer back to the notes as we're talking. So we might pick up on something they they discussed earlier and sort of probe a bit more. But we generally, it's more of a free-flowing conversation rather than 
when we were right at the start and we we were scripting stuff when we were doing it without guests and mm-hmm. now we we've worked out that just having that conversation like we're doing now we just have a conversation we'll ask a couple of questions and then we'll just see see where the conversation takes us and it generally seems to work seems That's, to work well yeah, yeah. okay yeah. now speaking of all the time that you have to put in and also uh, the hours that you communicate with each other. I mm. suppose you will see each other, like like I mentioned, at the um, in October. You pro- you'll probably see each other live, like in the same room. We- will you? Do you do you attend? Okay, maybe I should back yeah. up. Yeah, do yeah. you attend Ash's conference? I didn't last year. I don't know why I didn't last year. Okay, but um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go up there in October for definite. Um, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. What what is your family? But for both of you, what does your family uh, and your friends think of you spending, um, you know, time in pursuing paranormal issues? Um, do you want to go first, Ash? Well, my partner, he's a bit. Um, I get. I just get a roll of the eyes most of the time. Okay. Um, but he knows it's a passion. Yeah. And that it's something that I really love doing. Like with the whole my UFO identify website, the podcast putting on the conferences and stuff. It's just, it is a passion. And like, he has his passions, I have mine. And yeah, I get well the eyes. So when I come home from work at like quarter past 10, I'm like, oh, I've got an interview at half 10. I get, <laughs> get, get well the eyes, but yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty sportive, generally. Yeah, same my side. I um, I'll, I'll come home and I'll say, oh, me and Asha interviewing Kelly Joe from Orbicle Times. Um and I'll say, or oh, we'll, we're speaking to so and so tonight. It's like, oh, okay, okay. It's because it's late at night. Yeah. my kids have gone to bed. Um, They're already in bed. TV's sort of on, so uh, my wife's watching the TV, and she watch her programs that I don't like watching. She'll watch them while I'm doing a podcast. And <laughs> is is your wife interested at any level in the in the paranormal? Not really. She's been okay. on a few. She's been on a couple of paranormal investigations with us. Oh yeah. Um, but it's not really her thing. So she she's got her her hobbies, and I've got yeah, and you've got yours. Here. Yeah. Right. I think she just lets me get on with it because I'm just in the study in another room, yeah. just talking about stuff I enjoy talking enjoy. about. And I think that that also goes back to how me and Ash doing the podcast because. It's something we really like doing and we've got a passion for it. Right. We just enjoy having the conversations and the hours just fly by and we can talk for hours to guests. And we've had guests on multiple times because we just don't get through all the information. So, yeah, and I guess you're learning as you're going too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're, we're refining each week or each episode because we're now nearly nearly three episodes a week at the moment. Wow. The, um yeah, it's we we we're getting it down to sort of a, a fine sort of routine of, Art. of what we're going to do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And to yeah. be able to pump them out that many times, we have to be quite regimented on on what we're going to do. And we'll we'll might so we do um, an episode on Saturday that we release, which is also a video version on Spotify okay. on YouTube, which is um, Paranormal United States. So we take. Right. We take another rep uh, a state each each week. Uh, we alternate it, um, 
and we'll find out some information about that particular state, some paranormal stuff that's happening there that maybe people aren't aware of. Um, and we spend about 10 minutes talking through with photographs and, uh, and basically sort of putting out some information for, for people that are interested. So that goes out. So we'll try and get a couple of those recorded at a time. So we're, we're constantly trying to keep ahead of ourselves. Right. You've got um, a couple in the can, as they say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right. Okay. We've, we've been guilty of not having that. And it, because we release at a certain time on a certain day. Right. We've, we've been recording quite late up until that point. So we can finish the, the recording, quickly edit it, and straight up for release. So sometimes we're... We're not quite as far ahead as we, we yeah, wish we were. But you find yourself under the gun once in yeah, a while. Life you know? happens, unfortunately, and well, things well, happen. That's it. And, yeah. So. Well, that's it. And do you consider this, because, you know, with anything, people can take their passions into obsessions. Mm. <laughs> a side note I hope to keep this cast a commercial free zone. In light of that, please consider subscribing to my YouTube channel. Simply type into your search engine, Orbital Times, and you should see both my channel's name, Spirit Orb Sightings, plus that of my webpage, orbitaltimes.com, which will also grant you access to my YouTube videos and other webpage content. If you've already subscribed, many thanks. With anything, people can take their passions into obsessions. Does this still for you feel like a passion project? Do you ever feel like, what am I, what am I doing this for? Do you ever feel like that? No. Okay. No. I do think to myself sometimes, oh my God, what have we just, what kind of conversation have we just had? It's very true. We we can yeah. come. So, so with our episodes, we just sort of put them out there. We may, during the episode, we put no judgment either way on whether we believe what we've just spoken about um because some of the things that people tell us and the episodes that we've covered they're quite out of the realm of normality if that if for want of a better phrase there's some stories and experiences people have had that are just mind-blowingly far away from like normal you mean high high strangeness high strangeness (laughs) yeah yeah we will come off some that we've been off come off an episode before and we've just looked at each other and it's because we do as via um zoom or some of the other video um recording sites and we're just like i do not know what to say about what we've just heard because it's mind-blowing it's incredible regardless and if the whole lot's true and we we're not there so we don't know what that situation was like we we cannot make a judgment because we weren't there at the time it's just like this stuff's incredible. At the start of the podcast, me and Ash have always said, like, be talking about what we talk about now on the podcast is completely, for want of a better phrase, alien to where we were <laughs> right at the start. What well, what did that look like then when you think so, about that now? Yeah, so we 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 were we didn't really know where the podcast would go in terms of guests and the type of guests we'd go on and the subjects we'd talk about. Okay. But when when we look back at the start to where we are sort of nearly two years later and we're talking to people about interdimensional beings, uh, Sasquatch, um, poltergeists, 
um, and everything in between, alien abductions, all that kind of stuff, to be talking out loud about interdimensional beings, parallel universes. I wouldn't have been able to say that out loud, I don't think, right at the start. But now, it seems like a normal conversation to have. It's just... Right. Because you are still continuing with the podcast, I'm going to assume it probably has um, contributed to your quality of life. Would you agree with that? And if you do, do you have examples? I would say definitely because, like, my my job can be a quite a hard job and stressful. I just like want to go home. But like, like for example, today it's like we've had in the UK the highest ever recorded temperatures ever in the last couple of days. Right, and so, fires and yeah, like yeah. literally, like the south of the country is just burning. It's just been absolutely crazy. Like the weather has just been nothing yeah. that. And, it, none of us are used to at all. So right. um, my job's been pretty intense because of the heat. It's just been extra busy because of the heat. And it's just been hard because it's just been so hot whilst working. It's just been a really hard few days. Yeah. Like, like for example, tonight, I knew I had this interview coming tonight. So instead of just, instead of being looking, like just wanting to go home, the fact that I'm thinking I go home and then I get to do my podcast, or I, I'm going to be looking forward to being a guest on this podcast, maybe that that extra (laughs) it's that extra sort of i found this avenue and this friend in ash that we've got this joint passion we just love talking to people about all sorts of weird stuff that's happened and it could be orbs it could be um ufos it could, could be anything and it's just like right where are we going with this conversation now and what am i gonna what am I going to hear that comes out that I haven't heard of before or or something I have heard before and it seems to be a pattern across everything. That's the, yeah, there, there always is a bit of a fascination when you talk about paranormal or UFOs. People go, oh, yeah, I've, I like, I've, I sort of follow the news or I've seen these horror films and, then, and it, it's, a, it's quite a conversation start. And nobody sort of goes, what? the hell you want about okay so that's just my world then all right (laughs) it that more men than women are involved uh in or and within the ufo even the paranormal so really this this question i guess is for both of you uh for both of those communities uh, with things like you know ghost hunting you don't want to use that word but you know what i mean attending or 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 even uh at conferences or even speaking at the conferences uh, hosting podcasts even for that matter that deal with paranormal or cryptid ufo types of topic i don't know um would you say that it's a fair assumption that there are more men than women so it it, it's kind of a weird one because on the face of it I think it just mirrors society in that there's just more men in the sort of more high-profile positions. That's the same in, like, ufology world. Okay. And I've always sort of had that opinion that it's, it's more men. And when we look at our stats for, like, the podcast listeners, it is more men that listen to the podcast than women. But when we do our public events, most of the time, women outnumber the men. When we do sky watches, when we do meetups there's more women than men. And I found that quite surprising because I'd think, like you say, it, more men, because it does seem to be, in general, more men. But I think when, when I've spoken to, because like in, in our team, you have identified it's two men and two women. When I, it was for a long time, just Abby and Natalie, two girls, and me. And then this year we took on Steve joined us. So it has, was more women plus me. and then But now it's 
at events and I've spoken to the women about it, like because there's people that come to our public events that don't get involved in the on the Facebook group, don't get involved in the social media side of it. Okay. And, they, and so I've asked them like why, like, and they just they don't like they they they're, they're interested, but they just don't want to put themselves out there. But they want to be involved. They want to come along to the sky watches and stuff and talk to people, but don't want to be like putting themselves out there like on the internet and stuff. And I think that seems to be the reason why. Maybe get more male speakers at conferences, more male like on documentaries and stuff. You see more male. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe that. That's... Have you noticed that there's a specific age group that attend your conferences? Yeah, there's definitely the more forty to sixty. Uh, tends to be the main sort of age range. Uh, I think that's generally. I think that's across UFO sort of field in general. Is sort of white middle-aged male is kind of the most popular what what you see what you come because i come to other, other conferences in the uk 90 percent of the attendees would be middle-aged white men it's just like it's a stereotype but it is true and one of the things we do at ufo identified is trying to combat that by getting more women involved uh, more people of color younger people because mm-hmm. the interest must still be there it's just they're not sort of making it public we're sort of in the sidelines watching, but not getting involved as much. That's yeah. something we are actively trying to do by having like women speakers at the conference. Were you able to get a woman to speak at your upcoming conference this year? Yes. Yeah. And we also compare is Natalie as well, who sort of runs the event, and also and obviously two of the organisers are women as well. So it's there's a female obviously influence in there, which is good. Greg, um. Can I get your opinion on orb photos? Because it seems, again, it seems to me, and I could be wrong, (laughs) that there are many in the paranormal field that um, don't believe in orbs, or maybe they believe in orbs, but they don't believe that you can capture orb photos. They usually classify that as backscatter or something along those lines. What, what What are your thoughts about that? Uh, I'm on the fence. I've got okay. a video that I recorded, um, which has got clear orbs on it moving mm-hmm. intelligently on camera that I didn't see with my own eyes, but they're there, um, which I, I can send you. Um, yeah. Because um, I know orbs is your thing. I've There's one on your website called The Fallen Angel, I think. Oh, yeah, that big guy <laughs> yeah so i've i was on a paranormal investigation many years ago and long story short the video camera didn't record what i was seeing through the viewfinder it's one of the old school kind of video cameras i caught something extremely similar just appeared dropped down and disappeared and i told the rest of the team said i've just got something amazing on camera went to look back and it hadn't recorded and I, I know what it was just problem with the user uh, i.e me and i was gutted about that because that was it was very similar to what what you recorded mm-hmm. um, in that particular video but there are it's one of it's very divisive it's a very people either it go for the orbs or they don't i think mm-hmm. i don't think there's even a middle ground people either believe them and say that it's paranormal or it's a spirit it's a soul or 
people are just like, no, it's dust or, or whatever it is. And we've spoken to many people. Myself, mm-hmm. we've also spoken to some paranormal investigators, and, that, and one of the guys is just completely against orbs, saying mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a thing. It's really difficult. I, I, well, I've caught something on camera that I can't explain, which is a typical orb. Is it's it- no, it's it's bright. It's a, a bright white dot that I say on camera that I'm I'm leaving the room. Thanks for your time i'll listen to the voice recorder afterwards and as i'm just about to leave this white dot appears and flows out sort of around the room and out the door and is essentially the same route that i take out of the room but before me yeah so if you've seen donnie darko the film donnie darko where he has this sort of thing come out of his stomach where he's it does the same route he does. It's kind <laughs> of it, it, that's the the way I can explain it. It looks. Okay. I'll send it to you, and you have a little look. Yeah, please um, do. But there are orbs that appear as the door opens and such like. So, I I'm still on the fence because I look with a lot of the paranormal stuff. Even though I'm an investigator, a, a part of a team, I'm still waiting for that one piece of evidence that you go. You know what? That's the one that like the my hotel haunts. Um, but there's still something interesting about what I would say that entity, for a lack of a better yeah. word, um, yeah. that the feeling is that whatever was there, there was there was a couple of them, but one in particular at the end was sort of the same entity that is in my bedroom. The, okay. it, it's sort yeah. of the same thing. Yeah. Anyways. It's interesting because all of these these subjects that we're talking about now, like orbs, UFOs, paranormal, Mm-hmm. There's such a conversation starter, and everybody's got a difference of opinions on what it is. Yeah, it's, it's more, it asks more questions the more we talk to people than we ever seem to get an answer for. Yeah, same with UFO abductions. There's a similar yeah. type theme of what people experience, but then at other times you'll speak to other people and they've had completely, completely other end of the spectrum experience. Um, generally not never a good one but so sort of hmm. their similar experiences are completely different if that makes sense yeah it does now you mentioned you've done a ouija board in ash mm. but i think you did a, a ouija board experiment in in your home was it to gain insight for for a like an upcoming episode that you were going to do did it come about organically uh I think organically, because I moved into this house just over 12 months ago, and the house is around 150 years old, and we've mm-hmm. had a couple of weird things just happen mm-hmm. in this whole building. We're, we're just an apartment on the on the first floor, or second floor over there, and but there's a huge basement underneath, and it, obviously it's just it's a creepy place anyway. Basements, yeah. <laughs> just, you don't really get many. You don't really get many basements in the UK, so it's a bit weird to. Okay. To have one, I've never been in one before. Is that all right? I've got a basement in my house. My brother's girlfriend is quite big into just creepy stuff. And when I talk about the sort of ghost experiences I've had or weird things happening in the apartment, it's like, oh, she's like, oh, I've got to do a Ouija board in the basement. So, and I, I we, we had done an episode on Ouija boards, never done one before. I just thought, because people say, like, don't do it in your own house and stuff in case you attract whatever. I was like, ah, I'm not bothered. There's always something here. Let's see if we can communicate with it in, in the basement. 
And we did get some result. Uh, obviously, with a Ouija board, there's four of us doing it. You, you don't I mean, you don't know if it's just the subconscious or someone doing it on purpose. I mean, I trust the people I was there with that they weren't doing it on purpose, but we were asking questions. We did get some like, answers. It was, it was interesting to, to do it, and I'll do it again. I think I need to do it again. Soon. Did you say you would do it again? Yes. Yes. So, you know, here, here's an idea for you for the next time. All your participants, except one, wear a blindfold. And then that individual that has no blindfold, they get to ask the question and write down the answers. And you can, like, you know, switch the board around so they don't know which way is up. So they, have you ever done the Ouija board online? Have you ever played that online? No. No. <laughs> Not go, yet. Go, well, go look. Go, go look. And, and, and if you ever do that, let me know what, what you think of that. So we, we do an experiment me and Ash did it together called the Estes method, which is listening to the spirit box with Ooh. a blindfold, blindfold yep. and headphones. Yeah, yeah. so you're you've got your blindfold on, so you can't be influenced by anything that's happening outside, and you can't hear the question that's being right. asked. Right, you just, you just get the answer. You out the words that that comes to you. Is that up? Can people see that? I think it, I think we've got it up on the page. It is okay. on our Facebook. It might be buried a little bit. We need to put it on the website. Let's put it on the website, Greg. Yeah. 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 I like to I'd like to see that. And I'm sure that a lot of people would like to see that that haven't yet. <laughs> it was a scary yeah. experience. It was it was creepy. For like, want of a better phrase. Yeah, because when when you're doing it, because I was the what you call the receiver, so I'm blindfolded. I headphones. I can't hear anything apart from just the ch 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 of the spirit box. In the middle of a forest, like literally in the middle of the night, it's freezing cold, uh, and I'm just trusting that because we're with Abby, who's part of UFO identified, and Greg and I, I'm trusting that they've not run off on me, that they've, <laughs> I'm not just left on my own, that nothing's happening, and and, <laughs> and you just like sort of zone in on trying to hear words and sentences coming through, yeah, and as it as it was going on, I was just saying, it's just obviously, it mean it meant nothing to me, as I'm just saying words and I'm saying sentences. I, I've got no context, so I'm just saying what I hear in my ear. And then as as it went on, I kept getting the same two voices coming through, a, a deep man's voice and like a, a a female voice that was getting more and more like frightened, this female's voice, as this man's voice was getting deeper. And it was like they were arguing, these two voices. Oh, wow. But they are coming through more and more often. But obviously, the spirit box is cycling through the radio stations, the FM right. signal. So you'd think it would be like, Every thirty seconds, you'd hear that same sort of noise, but it was getting closer and closer together. These same two voices. And it got to right. the point where I, I, I was feeling the fear from this woman, female voice. Uh, that's when I, I said, "No, I'm had enough." I'm, it, it was really, really like, unsettling. It was horrible. It felt real. Well, looking back at it now, yes, because I wish I had the nerve to just keep to keep listening. And not let the sort of fear get the better of me because I, I when we got back we watched the videos we listened to the voice recordings I transcribed like the whole the whole the whole thing and I was like I wish because we were getting some of the answers as well because the answers to the questions I didn't know the the questions right so, I, so I'm transcribing and I'm now hearing my answers to the questions like I yeah, you're just calling that. out you're just calling out what you're hearing you're just calling out the words yes yeah, no yeah. go away yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, and whatever it is that you're hearing yeah and i'm watching it back now hearing the questions and seeing greg and abby yeah after the fact their reactions 
because they're yeah. obviously hearing the answers match up to the questions and right and being accurate as well. So they're like freaking out, like, "Oh my god, like, is this like, is this real?" I've I'm, I've actually got no idea until I've watched it back, and I wish I'd carried on doing it. I didn't like give in because it was it was it was hard to listen to. It, it was hard. What were yeah. you afraid of? I don't know. It was. I think maybe because it's the first time doing it, and just these these two voices, and it was getting like more intense, okay, more often, and it was in my head as I picture it now, it was like an argument or a fight was happening with these two people, and something was going to happen to 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 the female, and that sounds like no, I've had enough. Like it's, I'm I'm done. I just don't want to hear anymore. It was just. Yeah, it, it was hard to explain. It wasn't. It wasn't like I was scared for myself. It was just a fear. It was. I just. I, yeah. No, I've had enough. Now I was going to say that um, one of like one of the key initial questions that we asked was, "Can you name anybody in the group?" And Ash just come out with Abby's name straight away. Straight away, we're like, "What?" And then as things went on, it just like Ash said, it sort of kind of. We were talking and asking questions, and he was just answering stuff in response to the questions. It wasn't big pauses. It was just sort of like we would ask a question, and a few seconds later, a response would come. You have to imagine, we're in the middle of this place called Castle Ring, and there's a history of, like, black-eyed children, um, UFO abductions. So already, the and it was getting dark, we were in the middle of this mound as it were sort of an inverted mound of grass yeah it was really becoming creepy and towards the end we're like don't feel so great yeah let's should we just should we just go it just went silent like it's like a mist a mist came in and then it just went deathly silent like there's no birds and no wildlife noises it was just no forest noise it's just complete silence it's like like time to go okay let's go now Wow, you mean literally like a mist rolled in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, and there had been birds and wildlife going, and then all of a sudden it was like, have you just noticed that there's no sounds of anything? Like, did you feel um, an energy uh, change, a pressure, uh, or anything like that? I just, I just got an overwhelming sense of let's go, we, like, let's just go, and we all I felt think. it. All three of us, we did, and all three like, of us are like used to being in these places, don't we? Yeah. Get scared much, and all yeah. three of us just have like, it just doesn't to, feel right. Let's go. So that was cool. <laughs> That's actually funny because that brings me to asking you guys about the theory. They, they call it the hitchhiker effect. Yeah. Have you first of all have you heard of that? Do you know about that? Do you believe that? Yeah. Yep, to all of it. Yeah, <laughs> so, same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, d- I mean, I've I've never had it myself where I've brought anything back with me that I know of. You, I do hear a, a lot where people have been on. So the group I belong to, um, we were contacted by a family to say that their daughter, there was issues in the house that they wanted us to come and investigate and see what we could find but their daughter had been out on a paranormal investigation Mm -hmm. and i think that she brought something back with her as well so like some kind of weird entity so yes it's strange i've not experienced it myself i don't know anybody but did that terminology come up 
to do with um, the activity that was experienced at Skinwalker Ranch, but I, yeah. I don't know that for sure. Yeah, do I know they do talk a lot at Skinwalker Ranch about the hitchhiker effect, and I know some of the guys that have been on Skinwalker Ranch, um, people like George Knapp and Colin Keller, they, they've been talking about it recently and the hitchhiker effect where people have experienced stuff off ranch once once they've been on there but it's quite i think it's fairly common for people to get some kind of entity follow them back after investigations or being somewhere where it's highly um contaminated with paranormal activity okay do you know is that theory um connected with or only connected with after one sees a ufo I think okay. it's become um, sort of a thing from UFO encounters where, okay. like, say, Skinwalker Ranch. And I, I think sometimes that terminology, it becomes a, a sort of a, a terminology used across everything. But I, I, people regularly, I think, bring home entities or things follow them following paranormal investigations. So I don't know if it's necessarily just a UFO thing. I think, though, because nobody really, there's no definitive answer of what anything is, really. Uh I don't know how you can protect yourself for something that we don't really know. I've not had any bad experiences. I think it's, I don't know why that would be, but... I think some of these experiences are so personal. Yeah. I don't know if you can can sort of protect yourself against them, especially with UAPs and UFOs mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. There, there's no control over those anyway. There's no control over the paranormal. They're, these things happen when they want them to happen rather than when we want them to happen. That's that's my opinion anyway. Yeah. I, think, I think a lot of it comes down to belief and if it makes you feel better to do like a ritual before or after to protect yourself because a lot of the paranormal ufo and other is it is psychological and a lot of sightings and reports come down to the psychological how that person was at the time i mean there are a lot of cases where sadly it, it is mental health issues that people have and it isn't anything paranormal it's just they've got issues and that's causing things to happen in their head and obviously for us we don't know what's going on in people's heads we can only take their word for what's happening and if but if that makes them feel better that they want to do a ritual i mean i personally don't really i don't really have an opinion on it it's not, mm-hmm. something, not something i've done myself but mm-hmm. i've seen a lot of people doing it I, I i follow people that do a lot of this stuff and they, they do the rituals before and after and i think yes sometimes i think maybe Maybe we should do it. I just, I just don't really know enough to to comment more, really. Do you think that there might be a connection for people that do perform those things, that maybe at one time they were at some level um, religious or had attended religious functions or ceremonies? I, From what I've seen in the paranormal community, no, I think it's just, I hate to use the word, the phrase, a thing, but okay. it's um, all these groups and any paranormal investigation, a public one that I've been on, people 
always do it at the start. They say we have to do this to protect ourselves. Okay. But I don't know. I don't really know where that originates from. It just, it seems to be a thing. There's something called observable. It's supposed to, I think, refer to like biological changes. You had mentioned, I think it was you, Ash, you were talking about, you know, people might even before the paranormal encounters some sort of psychological issues. But if you see, you know, a UFO, understandably, there should be some possibly uh, PTSD or, or trauma involved, depending on the severity uh, yeah. you know, of that encounter and also on, on the person themselves. Uh, and have you ever, have you heard about this, this biological changes after experiencing a UFO? So apparently it's supposed to be like, I guess the potential biological changes that occur within the body because of these uh, close encounters with UFOs. I'm assuming something like um, radiation or, or, or other things. Have you heard of that? No, that's I'm not. I've not heard the phrase six observable" before. Um, hmm. Just talk about talking off the cuff. I mean, for anybody who's experienced that and who have who has found it to be traumatic, you know, how does one approach their workplace or the medical community to receive help or or even for that matter benefits? Like, how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, when people have experiences, UFO or otherwise, it can be a life-changing event. Like it can completely turn your life upside down. Mm-hmm. You, you've 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 lost all sense of reality. You don't know what's real anymore. Like your whole world has changed. Like you say you've just had like a Dutch experience and been took in a spacecraft to a different planet. And now you've just been dropped off back home, for example. Your your whole world has just changed. And how do you go, like say, how do you go back to working a nine-to-five job? Much bigger thing going on in the world. So, yeah, you're supposed to be talking in that sort of sense. Yeah, like, that's changing. And it is a struggle for people to find a peer group that understands and not be thought of as crazy. And it is a struggle for a lot of people. And that's why it's like, because there's a lot of stigma with UFO and paranormal still, when someone has that experience, they don't know who to turn to. And it can be like very frustrating. And it can be very negative because they, they know that there's something bigger than all of us, but they don't know where to go with it. They don't know what to do anymore. They just, how, how do you get on with normal life after an experience like that? You, you, I don't know how you would. I can see why there is a surge in the podcast community that deal with paranormal issues uh, and people finding out about that because it is armchair type of therapy in my mind you know to to get on a podcast talking to somebody and but yeah. then feeling vulnerable and exposed but i think the underlining issue that i hear a lot is they've come forward because they want to help one other person yeah. they're helping themselves i think that they're aware of that because it always helps to talk and then hopefully get some feedback or just the talking sometimes without any kind of interjection or opinion is is pretty helpful for people too. finding themselves and this goes for the hosts being opened up to all this new information once someone has one sort of experience then 
oh, if this is real, then this can be real as well, and this can be real as well. So it does open up up the mind to everything. Once one thing is possible, everything yeah. else is now possible. Once you yeah. sort of open that up, and we've had like talk about sort of being like a therapy. We've had guests or people that just message us, and they've never spoke to anybody about their experience because they didn't know where to, and they've found exactly turned to us. And like a lot of times, it can be very emotional. Like we've been on on video calls with people that it, not, didn't even make an episode out of it. It's just they wanted someone to talk to, and it's they're breaking down because it's the first time they've spoken out loud about it or felt like they've been believed. And it's I mean, it's we we I mean we try and help. Obviously, we can't we're not we're not experts. We can't give like professional help, but sometimes it's just telling someone that's not going to think you're crazy and that's we are honored that people do choose us sometimes to share that with for the first time and it's we can help someone we can help one person then it's it's been worth it yeah there you go that's a probably what what we'll do is we'll end on that note and i think that you do um help people and that must be one of the drives for you to continue, I would imagine, with your podcast helps you and it helps other people. It's a win-win. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you, uh, both of you, coming on. Uh, I know that I caused some trouble there trying to get uh, connected with you, so <laughs> oh, I appreciate right. your That's assistance. Okay. Happens yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Do you, do you want to, uh, I will put your contact information in the show notes, but did you want to just do a shout out for yourself where people can reach you or where people can see you? Yeah. 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 yeah go ahead. <laughs> go on, Greg. Go on. Okay. <clears throat> so we are across all social media. Um, it will be pursuit of the paranormal on Instagram, pursuit of the paranormal podcast on Facebook, we're on TikTok as Pursuit of the Paranormal. Also, um, we've got a link tree, which is linktree.com forward slash Pursuit of the Paranormal, of which, if you go on there, it's got the links to our Buy Me a Coffee, our merchandise store. Yeah, so you can connect to us through that on everywhere. And it's just one link, which is quite handy. Perfect. I appreciate you both taking your time and I know it's late on your end so I thank you again I would like to keep this cast a commercial free zone in light of that please consider subscribing to my YouTube channels all my orb videos are available by using the handle at spirit orb sightings or visit my new channel with the handle at orbital times podcast if you've already subscribed many thanks for blogs episodes show notes bios, images, and video, please visit www.orbicaltimes.com. If you enjoyed an episode, then please give a like or a share on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or whatever podcatcher you happen to use. If you've already done so, much appreciated. Thank you for taking your time to visit these Orbical Times. Orbical Times podcast is written, produced, edited, and hosted by me, Kelly Joe, at Studio Spare Room.